Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume and let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to Dad Devotionals. I'm Dave Domzowski. I got to tell you, I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Joe Martin. Now, you probably recognize him as the host of Real Men Connect, the top-rated podcast on iTunes. Dr. Joe is an award-winning international speaker, author, educator, and certified man-builder. His life story can be summarized in one simple sentence. He went from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. He started Real Men Connect because of his passion for helping Christian men win. I love that. Dr. Joe, welcome to Dad Devotionals. It is so great to have you. Thank you, Dave, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Oh, no, no problem at all. Now, I gave everyone a brief intro on your background to start here, but please tell us about yourself uh, for those who may not know. Well, we'll use the, your introduction as a template. You started out with from rags to riches to ruin to redemption. The rags part of my story, I grew up in one of the toughest um, inner city um, projects and ghettos in Miami, Florida, in a place called Liberty City. Mm-hmm. And for those who are over the age of 40, um, they're familiar with that phrase, that that word Liberty City and hearing about as it relates to Miami, because if they've ever heard of a, a rap group called Two Live Crew, <laughs> then they've heard of Liberty City. But if they're oh, wow. under the age of 40, um, like my son and my daughter, then they've heard of Liberty City based on the, um, the notorious video game called Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so whenever they do a video game on your neighborhood, that's not a good thing. And so but I grew up in that neighborhood. My mom was a teenage mother at the age of 16, had two children by the time she was 17 mm, and dropped out of high school um, to have um, both of her kids. And my dad walked out um, on us when I was only two years old. They never got married. But after the second child, he says, I can't handle this. I can't do this. So he yeah. he jetted on us and he left. So I didn't know who my I didn't know my dad growing up as a kid. But you can imagine growing up in that kind of environment, all the um, stuff that you see on television in the media, most of that is true. Mm. Um, I watched six of my friends die before I reached the age of 16. Um, A lot of my friends were gangbangers, drug dealers, pimps and hustlers. Um, I went through um, abuse as a child, not from my mom. My mom was somewhat physical with us, but I mean, sexual abuse. I was sexually abused as a child for three years, which really traumatized and changed my life forever. Um, by a family member. Um, And I can go in the details of the rags, but you kind of get the picture. We were dirt poor. My my sister's still food just to feed us. Mm -hmm. It was that bad. Now, the the richest part is not the riches that most people think of. They think millionaire. And I'm not talking about Jay-Z money. (laughs) I'm not talking about Bill Gates. You know, what I'm talking about is that in spite of growing up in that neighborhood, I went to becoming the first person in my family, not only graduated from high school, but also from college. When I was a senior in college, I bought my first home. When um, I graduated early at the age of 20 at the top of my university class, moved my mom out of the projects at the age of 21, started my first business at the age of 22, worked for the Florida governor's office at the age of 26, um, became the youngest professor ever hired to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24, had my PhD by the time I was 28, and had written two books by the time I reached the age of 30. And so I wasn't a millionaire, but based on where I started, Dave, you might as well say I, was, I felt rich. Absolutely. You know, and I had the American dream. I had a wife. I got married at the age of 22 and had a son of my own. So life couldn't get any better, at least I thought. 
but it went from rags to riches to ruin. But I ruined it. I had it all by the age of 30, but lost it all by the time I reached the age of 40 due to not dealing with my past trauma of the abuse, of the trauma of the PTSD from watching my friends get murdered in front of me. And a lot of other things that um, I witnessed as a child that I wouldn't wish on any young person to see. Just to give you an example, when um, I used to go to my bus stop and I was in middle school, I used to get solicited by prostitutes on my way to go to school. So imagine if you're 11, 12 years old and you have a woman flashing you, a grown woman asking you, do you want to have sex with her? Do you have any lunch money on you to have sex with? It's like, what the, (laughs) you know, so, but I never dealt with that. I thought I could outrun my past by succeeding. And, but my past caught up with me and I, I started out with, um, I call it, I tell people I'm putting this in air quotes. They can't see a little porn. And I put it in air quotes because a little porn is like a little crack. There's no such thing. And what it does is the gateway drug into other things. Mm-hmm. And so I started with porn and then it escalated because I had the resources and the means. Um, it started getting into going into strip clubs. It started um, getting into um, escorts and meeting women from all over the world. I can just wind and down with some of the, <laughs> you talking about, it was crazy. I had a crazy lifestyle. I had the lifestyle of an entertainer athlete, um, even though I wasn't in the public eye. Thank God that it was no social media around during that time. Well, I wouldn't have a job today, <laughs> you know, so, but many people stuff. wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the beginning of the end for me. Cause eventually my wife found out eventually she would, because I was a notorious um, adulterer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people get, they, when I hear, they hear me talking about it. I'm not glamorizing it, but they said, Joe, he, he said like, it's so nonchalant. Trust me, I've gone past the storm. I was suicidal because of all of this. So I'm not giving enough justice or how much damage it caused me and my family. But I pretty much destroyed my family. Um, my wife divorced me. and I, But by the grace of God, I got um, joint custody of my son. So I was still a dad. But I lost half my wealth, risked my health. By the grace of God, I don't have AIDS. It's just amazing to me. But I hit rock bottom realized that God is the rock at the bottom. And so the redemption part came that I thought my life was pretty much over, but yet I didn't die. And so I was just happy just being alive and say, okay, I'm just going to be a cautionary tale for the rest of my life. This is what happens when you have nothing, you have it all, and then you blow it. But now I'm just going to kind of fade off into the sunset and I'll just have a quiet life and just say, don't be that guy. Don't be me. But God had other plans and he used my, um, my ruins to redeem me mm. and gave me an even bigger platform to now help other men write their comeback stories, or at least try to avoid them having ever having to write one in the first place. And so what we do now with Real Men Connect is we help men win, like you said, at what matters most. And that's um, their, their, the love of their life, uh, which is their marriage. We're talking about the Lord in their life, which is their God, the labor of their life, which is the work that they do. And in leadership and leaving a legacy, that's what the family and the people around them that they impact. And so we help men do that. And unfortunately, we do have a lot of men who have similar stories like mine, and they keep thinking it's hopeless. They can't bounce back from this. But then they say me, they see me and they're thinking, okay, I was pretty bad, but I wasn't that bad. <laughs> you know? And if he can do it, and we know that God is not a respective person. So if he can do it for me, he can possibly do it for you. But there's a process to it. And there's a plan to it. And it takes patience. I know that's a lot of peas, but that's exactly what it is. It takes some patience to do that. So by the grace of God, I'm here and I'm on your show today, being able to spread the word about um, my life, even though it's embarrassing, it can sometimes be shameful and it causes a lot of people to judge you, but I'm okay. I'll get on the cross if it can spare other people from having to get on that cross. 
Amen, Sarah. You know, we can end it right there. I mean, because that is that is just so powerful. And I and I it's the beauty of the Lord, isn't it? I mean, he takes all of that. I mean, you've been like many of your guests have said, the folks that you've worked with, you've been through so much more than most people out there that for him to take that and make and turn it into this, it's just it really is just a just a beautiful thing to witness. I'm blown away by it. And and I think this kind of leads me to my next question for the guys who may feel like they don't have uh, anywhere to turn or like it's hopeless. You know, I want to focus today on how those guys can man up in all facets of life. And I don't mean man up to, you know, just uh, nonchalantly. I mean, man up in, in terms of really taking, taking, taking up by the bootstraps, asking the Lord for help and then going out and doing the hard work. So with that in mind, with all of your experience, everything that you've been through, what is something that men struggle with the most? Well, there's a lot of things um, that men struggle with. And if we want, we can do several shows. I can do about eight or 10 shows on sure. each of the struggles. And there, there's a lot. But if I had to focus on one main thing, because I know the guy said, well, he's going to focus on one thing. What do you mean a lot of struggles? I'm not going to talk about the other ones, but I'll mention some of the struggles. But I'm going to talk about the most important one. And that's what we'll focus on. Sure. Um, I think based on the men that I work with, I coach, mentor, and disciple men. And I work with thousands of men. And in our our online our online and um, community, we work with hundreds of men. And I coach them and counsel them on a regular basis. And so I, I have a, a front row seat of what men struggle with. I'm not just putting this theoretical. I'm in the trenches every day. And also, I've struggled with these things. And I realize that we are not unicorns. Men suffer what I call a, a disease called terminal uniqueness, thinking mm. that they're different than everybody else. No, mm. they're not. Your situation may be different, but the struggles are still the same. But some of the things that I see us struggle with is selfishness. Um, as men, fear. We're afraid to change. We're afraid to take risks. Pride thinking we can do it by ourselves, ignorance, not knowing. I I say we suffer from a learning disability, not ADD, ADHD, but ABT ain't been taught, you know, ABT, um, apathy, not caring enough, um, being lazy. Um, Don't, we don't feel like doing what we need to do. Um, We got our priorities out of order. We put, we put the things that are most important down at the bottom and we focus on the things that are least important and thinking they're urgent, but they're not as important as the things that we should be putting our time into. A le- um, lack of commitment. I tell you, I can go on and on. Lack of commitment. We, we start something, we don't finish. We, we don't follow through. There's no consistency. When we, when, when we tell our wives we're going to change or I'm going to do better, we'll start out by, quote, acting right, um, behavior modification, but there's no heart transformation. Mm-hmm. But out of all of those struggles that I mentioned, that's not the main struggle that I think gets us in the most trouble. Those are bad. But the main thing that I see, if I had to pinpoint one thing, if you say, Joe, you couldn't pick any of the options, what is the main struggle that men have? And it's one that they don't realize they have. It's with their identity. It's their identity. Mm-hmm. Joe, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. No, you think you know who you are. If I ask you, who are you? More than likely, you're going to describe what you do. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't ask you what you do for a living. I asked, who are you? And they would order to ascribe their role. I didn't ask you your role. I asked, who are you? Then they would give me their name. No, that's your, that's your name. But I asked, who are you? And most men don't know who they are. They don't know their identity. And so what we do is when we don't know our identity, we search for an identity. And we usually find our identity in what I call the Asians, the Asians. 
And that's what do you do? Your occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you earn? Your compensation, because we look at our ability to provide for family, determines our, our self-worth or what we do. It's the difference between, Joe, what do you do? Um, I'm a custodial worker. Joe, what do you do? I'm a brain surgeon. Now, guess what? We're still, I'm still a man. But in public's perception, they just elevate me a little bit higher based on a title, right. based on occupation, conversation, education, Based on my level of education, where I went to school, how many letters I have at the end of my name. And see, all these Asians I'm talking about, because I pursued all of them and thought that made me a man. If I have the right occupation, I was communication director for the Florida governor's office. I was a, a professor at the age of 24. I worked for a Fortune 500 company. I was a business owner, entrepreneur. What a great occupation. Compensation. I was making um, over a quarter million dollars when I was in my 20s. You know, and so compensation, education, I got more degrees than a thermometer. So I'm here, I'm checking off all the boxes thinking this makes me a man. And that's what we are killing ourselves to do because we think that's going to help us man up because I'm able to provide for my family. I have a great education and I have a great job and quote job security. Then we have reputation. How much influence do I have over people? How many likes am I getting on Facebook? How many followers am I getting on Twitter and TikTok? How popular am I? How attractive am I to women? And how do they respond to me? What woman can I get? Hey, I bet you I can get her number. I bet I can sleep with her. Conquest, that's reputation. He's known as a ladies' man. Man, he can get any woman he wants. What do we see in the media and we see on movies? The, the the Ryan Reynolds of the world, you know, and those guys, um, what, um, um, Michael, Michael B. Jordan, those yeah. guys, hey, yep. that's a man's man because the women all want them. Look at their bodies. That's reputation. What do people know about you? And then we have what I call intimidation. Intimidation. That's when it goes to our strength, our physical. Can I, can I beat you? Can I overpower you? Can I control you? Do you fear me? Now, you may not even be a big, strong person, but you've heard of Napoleon complex. Yes. But if absolutely. I can intimidate you and you think that I'm, I'm elevated, over you, you're going to fear me. And we, we do it through bullying. We do it through domestic violence. Mm-hmm. We do it through with our kids of dropping the iron fist. This is my way or the highway. This is my house. You can get out. That kind of thing that people fear us and they start shaking and walk on eggshells. When they're around around us. Now, I'm sure, Dave, there's got to be more Asians than the one I just named. But to me, those are the ones that I pursued and the ones I used to identify myself. And if the men out there who are out there listening, if they were honest with themselves, they'll say, I found myself in one of those categories that in other words, here's a great way to know what you really define yourself as. What would you be without your job? Mm. What would you do and what would how would you feel about yourself if you were broke and bankrupt? What would you do and how would you feel about yourself if you were uneducated and you weren't the smartest man in the room? Education doesn't necessarily mean a formal education because you're wiser than everybody else makes us feel like we're superior. What would you do if you didn't if people didn't like you and they didn't follow you and you didn't have fame and the popularity? What would you do if you you, you didn't have a strong body and you couldn't bench press 400 pounds? Mm or you couldn't intimidate people, or you couldn't defend yourself? What would, where would you find your identity? So if we're finding all our identity in the Asians, then, and it's not what we do 
what people call us and all that, then what should we find our identity in? We find our identity in who God says we are. We go back to the manufacturer. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing, you ask the maker of the thing. So you go back to the creator. What does the creator, the manufacturer says, that's what you are. I'm not what I think, even though it can control what I do. I'm not where I came from, even though it can control what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm not what my wife and my kids think about me, even though it can impact what I do. But ultimately, I'm who God says I am. And if I operate from that identity, then I won't have to look for my identity in anything else. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, Dave. No, it does make sense. And actually, it's a it's a great. Uh, I want to build off of that because you know one of the things that my wife and I talk about, and and I try to incorporate in everything that I do, um, but I, I fail at it every day. Is trying to be intentional with mm-hmm. my actions, intentional in my prayer life, intentional with how I try to bond with my kids, intentional with date night and other ways of connecting with my wife. Um, so, you know, if our identity is in Christ, then how can, how can we as men show up better in all of those other roles who, which aren't necessarily our identity as a father, husband, brother, son, friend, neighbor, coworker, all these other uh, functions, I guess, roles, but how do we take that identity and then show up uh, like the men God is, is calling us to be? as you, you know, as you ask on your podcast all the time? You know, the thing is we have to become human beings and not human doings. Mm -hmm. Because you say, how do we show up? If you're finding your identity in Christ, which means you are going to the source to find out who you are, you don't have to do, you just have to be. In other words, I have to represent what I am. So if I'm finding my identity in Christ and he says, that I'm beautifully, wonderfully made, that I'm his adopted son. Oh, here's a, here's a perfect example. This is, I'm giving you inside information, Dave, that we do inside our community. Please. We have, um, we call it, this is our identity statement. And this is our, um, we call it our real men reality. And we have our men memorize it because it's that important. I love and it. this is what God says we are, because we are, our group is about identity restoration. Because most of us have had this walking around with a false identity. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people stealing our identities, but we're walking around with a false identity. Right. So we try to help men get grounded in who they really are in Christ. And this is what God says that I am and that you are, Dave. We are in Christ. He says, guess what, Joe? You and Dave, you are powerful because my Holy Spirit lives within you. Mm, amen. You two are valuable to me and I can prove it because I sacrificed my only son for you. So when I look at you and Dave, I don't see your sins. I see the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ. Mm. So when you come to me, no matter what you've done, done, when you come to me, you should come to me unashamed, blameless, because I consider you holy. This, Dave and Joe, is your new born again identity in my son, Jesus Christ. So as I renew your mind, according to my truth, not your past, not your drama, not your trauma, not from your mama, but when I renew your mind, according to my truth, I will grant you the grace to live, to love, and to lead righteously. Now, Dave, if I believe that, I don't have to do anything except be it. So that means now when I respond to my wife, I'm showing up 
in my identity in Christ, not Joe Martin in his hangups, in his habits, in his hurts. I'm showing up as blameless, unashamed, and holy. I'm showing up as powerful because the Holy Spirit lives within me. I'm showing up because I'm a, I'm a new man in Christ. I'm showing up because he's going to give me the grace to learn how to communicate with my wife better, more effectively, to live with her in an understanding way, to lay down my life for her. Because I can't do that in my own strength. But God, I know in me, your spirit will give me the grace to do that. So all I got to do is show up and be present on my job the same way, with my family the same way, at my church, in my community, wherever I go. I just need to take that identity with me. And the reason why we have men memorize this, because I tell them every morning we get up, every time we get up in the morning, that we're in a, in a war. It says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My question is, what is he trying to steal? Your identity. Because mm. if I can steal your identity, guess what? Now I can kill your relationships. And if I can kill your relationships after I've stolen your identity, guess what? I'm going to destroy your destiny and your legacy. But it all starts with identity. So every time your, floor, your foot hits the floor in the morning, you're in a battle to maintain your identity in Christ. That's why we have a memorizer, because throughout the course of a day, you can have all this head knowledge I just gave you. But you have to recite that to yourself until you believe it. And even as I said that to you, Dave, there's men out there listening to this, even women out there listening to this, thinking to themselves, wow, man, that's some great stuff, man. Yeah. And guess what? They want to believe it. Right. But they just haven't yet. Mm. And what's stopping them from believing it is, guess what? The past, the pain, the hurt. They're looking at all the mistakes they've made, past sins, and think, wow, how could I ever be that? Yeah. But you're not what you do. You who God says you are. When I was addicted to porn and sex, I thought I was a porn addict. No, 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 no. What I was, was I was a person who chose porn to medicate my problems. Mm, yeah. A person, my, my family, alcoholism runs throughout our family. They're not alcoholics. They're choosing alcohol to medicate their pain. Right. Same with a drug addict a person who overeats, a person who works out too much, a person who goes, who works too long on their jobs. All it is is medication and sedation for dealing with the pain because we've forgotten who we are in Christ. Right. And, and what's, what's sad is the addictive nature of so many of those things that you can't, you know, you, you're, you're, your brain is fogged up, you know, you can't, you can't see past it, you know, you know, that's why it's so important. You know, when you think about Ephesians, putting on the armor of God, you know, protecting and, and, and girding yourself in the truth, because then you can hopefully prayerfully with the Holy Spirit's help, get around all that, all, all that malaise and all that, all that craziness to, you know, finally understand what your true identity is. Um, but, you know, Joe, we, we all have things that we're, that we're working on. And I think it'd be helpful for guys to know, is there something that you're working on yourself right now? Some kind of thing that, you know, whether it's something from the past or something that some kind of new uh, thing that you, that you're just having a a battle with. And what are some steps that you're taking to power through? Well, I know for me, and maybe I'm just God's special child because it's taken a long time for me and I'm still battling with it is if you can hear my voice and every person listening to me right now, I can hear the sound of my voice that I seem to be a somewhat passionate person. Mm. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of yeah. passion. If people know me for anything, 
that is that dude is always on fire. He seems excited all the time, man. He's on fire. Man, I just be around Joe and he just pumps me up, man. I just like hearing him talking. You know, I just get like I should be like a football coach or something. <laughs> and so they hear the passion in my voice, but what I struggle with is compassion. Mm, okay. I have a lot of passion, Dave. And I've been working on compassion and I pray to God to ask for help all the time in the area is because I'm quick to keep moving. I I give you an example. Um, You know how people have vanity tags on their car, right? On their plates. Mine, I've had one for the last 25 years and it says no excuse. Mm. That's my car tag. So if you ever see me drive around town with the word no excuse on my tag, that's me. Nice. And people look at it and say, whoa. And that's the standard I have for myself. So what ends up happening when I don't have compassion, I'm impatient with people. Mm-hmm. God is, he's, his mercies are new every morning and his, his love endures forever. And God corrects me a lot, especially in the spirit that you're following me, but you're not being long suffering with my, my people. Mm. And God is long suffering. And yes, God is a God of judgment, but God is also a God of grace. And yes, I'm quick to forgive. Yes, I'm quick to extend grace to people, but I'm quick to write you off. <laughs> that I ain't got time for Dave. He's moving too slow. Dude, I ain't got time for you to change. You sound like my you know? wife. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm on to the next thing because I mean, we got things we got things to do. Yeah. You know, I could die tonight. You know, that's how I am, you know. Yeah. And so I have to slow down. And realize that, no, it's good that I, I'm a person who takes massive action and I like to do things, but I don't always slow down enough at other people's pace. Mm. It goes back to that saying that you got to meet people where they are in order to bring them the way you are. Sure. And I'm quick to want to run off and, I, oh, I left you behind. And I need to make sure that I'm being more compassionate because in the end, and this is serious talk, no matter how many great things I do mm-hmm. and things I try to pursue. God considers a a, gling, a a clinging gong if there's no love in it, if yeah. there's no compassion. Yeah. So yeah. all this could be worthless that I'm doing. All the great work. Joe, you're changing a lot of lives. You're doing all this. What difference does it make if if there's no there's no grace in it, there's no love in it, and that's not what people remember me for? Sure. If all they can remember is me kicking them in the butt, that's not good, even if they moved and did something great. I want them to also say, wow, this dude was so passionate, but man, this dude would weep for me. He would mm-hmm. weep with me. And I've seen myself get better, but I'm never, I'm, but I'm not even where I think I should be when yeah. it comes to that. Because I, even though I may not say it with my mouth, I may not do something that's not, that's lacking compassion with you. David doesn't mean it's not going on in my heart and in my head. Right. And you know what God tells you that even if you lust in your heart for a woman, you've already committed adultery. Mm-hmm. So I'm, my standard is not what you see is what's going on inside of me. Does that make sense? Or no, it because I'm thinking because there'll be guys listening to this who know me like, what is Joe talking about? That dude is wet with me. He's prayed with me. And man, he's always checking on me. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. But they don't know what's going on inside of me that I'm thinking, dude, I didn't want to reach out to you. <laughs> you know what I mean, I said, it's, it's, but I'm giving in and, and surrendering to that. So God says, be merciful, mm. be loving. Yeah. Be kind, show compassion. And I'm working on that. Now, I've helped a lot in the behavior, but on the inside, dude, it is a struggle. It's like a, I'm like, God, please be patient with me because it's ironic. What he's asked me to do with others, that's what he's doing with me yep. right now. 
Oh, amen to that. I mean, I, I know that anytime I'm about to judge somebody, especially I feel like over the last year, two years, uh, God always just pricks me. But you were in a similar situation not too <laughs> right. long ago. Yeah. <laughs> How so? I call it, you know what I call that day? Spiritual amnesia. Uh-huh. How soon we forget. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, we're putting ourselves up on that, on that pedestal. Yep. Um, well, you know, I think this is a good question then to follow up with. You know, you, you talk about five different types of men. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of them are the whiner, the warrior. And there's probably a lot of folks, you know, like I said, I, I interjected with my wife there who were in these guys' lives that, might not be always patient with them because of the issues that they're dealing with. So what can this tell us about ourselves and then how we can kind of, you know, correct course? Yeah. You're talking about, yeah, I do a a talk on this when I speak at men's conferences is usually a a talk to get them fired up. Mm. But the way I get them fired up, I get them getting real sad in the beginning. (laughs) And then I come back with the encouraging news because I tell them that there's five types of men and of course, I was able to do this because I've been all five types of these men. Sure. But there's only one that we should be striving to be. And that's the last one. That's why when we talk about this, it's like, wow, this guy's really, again, I'm bringing the, this, this hard message. I said, one, there's the whiner. Yeah. That's the man who's paralyzed by his past. Mm. You know, and he's always asking questions, God, why did this happen to me? Why, why didn't that happen for me? Right. Or why did it happen for Dave, but it didn't happen to me? Why not me? <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And so we become the whiner and I call it, we become why babies. Why, 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 mm. why, 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 which are, which is a, that's a horrible question to ask is why, because those answer questions like why they're not productive because even if you had an answer to the why it's not going to make you feel better. Yep. You know, my mom, I lost my mom. You know, we just, so I don't know when this show is going to air, but um, we, if they're listening to this, we're past Thanksgiving. And on um, Thanksgiving two years ago, my mom passed mm. and she was only 67 years old. And my, I, my, I have a family history of they're not living to be old. Mm. I'm the oldest living male on my mom's side of family. And there was 12 siblings. Wow. None of them made it past the age of 40. Man, mm. None of the males made, made it past the age of 40. Mm. And so if I sat here and guess what? I thought about it. Why on Thanksgiving Day? What if God told me? Because. It was her time. That's not going to make me feel better. So being a whiner doesn't help. But then we got the warrior. Um, He's not paralyzed by his past, but he's fearful of his future. He's fearful because he's he's not asking why. He's asking what if. But what if this happens? Hmm. But what if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? What will I do? And he's afraid to take risks. He's afraid to go forward because he's afraid of what could potentially happen and these guys we never achieve anything if we're worried too much right. about what's going to happen people say joe you were overachiever how would you you were ever you're worried yes before i became an achiever right. i was always worried it wasn't until i became i started putting caution to the wind so you know i don't care if i fail that's when i start succeeding but then we have the waiter <laughs> and he's not um paralyzed by the past or fearful of his future but he's indecisive in the present because mm. he's waiting. He, he before he gets help, he's going to wait. Right. Not not. I, I will. I'll get around to it. Yeah. You know, when my when my wife threatens divorce, that's when I'll change. You know, when the house burns down around me, <laughs> that's when I'll start taking care of my home. Sure. They wait. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, man, a lot of men, this gets them in trouble. The yeah. wife comes to him. Baby, do you smell smoke? 
Oh, baby, that's nothing. And then the wife comes back to him again. Maybe I think there's a fire in the kitchen. I'm sure you can handle it. Mm. And then yeah. the couch is on fire. And then the wife is leaving. He said, where are you going? He says, no, the, 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 the couch is on fire. He said, you don't wait it so long. All we have is a burnt couch. Right. What, what are you talking about? And so we, we wait a little bit too long. That was me too. Mm-hmm. I could have saved my first marriage. But I waited too long to get the help that I needed. Ironically, after she left, I ended up going through three years of counseling, mm. seven years of recovery um, through sex, um, uh, going to um, celebrate recovery for sex addicts and dealing sure. with that. Now, here's the question, David. Here's a, a common sense question. Why didn't I do that earlier? Yeah. Because I was stuck on stupid yeah. because I was waiting. So we're indecisive in the present until yeah. we're forced with a crisis. And then we had, now you can see why the guys, when I'm doing a presentation on this, they're like, oh, goodness, oh I'm horrible. <laughs> but then, oh, it gets worse. Then we have, I call it the wounded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, mm-hmm. He's wounded. And he lives in isolation and he suffers in silence. Mm-hmm. This is the man who's been betrayed. He's been abandoned. He's been hurt by other people. So he, have a, he has a hard time trusting people. And because of that trust, he keeps thinking, I, I got this. I can do it on my own. He's not going to risk building relationships, even with his own wife. I'm not going to let her know how much I'm suffering because she may look at it as a sign of weakness. Right. Or she may use this information against me in the future. Mm. And so we're walking, we're, we're basically walking wounds. And when you're walking wounds and you're easily hurt by other people, you can't possibly focus on building relationship when you're always in repair. And so we're wounded. Now, I know they sound bad being the whiner, the worrier, the waiter, and the wounded. But then I said, but there's hope on the other side of this if you can get past those four and break out of those, those roles. Because God didn't create you to be a whiner or a worrier or a waiter or a wounded person. He created you to be a warrior. Mm. And see, that's what we need as men. We need more warriors who are worshipers then we need worries and whiners and waiters and wounded people all the time. Absolutely. And as a, a, a warrior person, that means, guess what? You're going to fight. And guess what? You're going to get hit and you're going to get beat up sometimes, but you're never going to surrender and retreat. I love, there was a movie um, called the 300. We call our, our group the 300, but it's not after the movie, but there's a movie about Spartan and the yeah. word. And he had, there was a line that I love. He says that, yeah, we may die tonight but we're going to die with the spirit in our chest, not our backs. Mm. And see a warrior doesn't run away. When you think of first responders, police officers, the EMTs and the firefighters, while people are running out of the building, what are they doing? They're running, they're in. running into it yep. and they're willing to risk their lives for it. That's what women want. They don't want Superman, but they do want a man who's willing to lay down his life for her as Christ loved the church. Now, I'm not even talking about physically going into a burning building. Lay down your desires and your wants and your selfishness for the better good. To say, God, I don't want just what what feels good to me. I want to do what's best for us. But a warrior is willing to fight. He's willing to fight not with his wife, for his wife, not with his kids, for his kids, not with his coworkers, for his coworkers. Not with the community, but for the community. And God made us to be warriors, warriors. And to me, 
when we again that goes back to identity but if you're walking in your god-given identity you know that already yeah that god didn't make us for what they, what they say a, a playground experience you know or a cruise ship it's supposed to be a battleship and this is a battlefield experience yeah and we're here to fight you're fighting for your identity you're fighting for your integrity you're fighting for your character you're fighting for your family you're fighting for your marriage you're fighting for your convictions and your beliefs you're fighting for your values you're fighting for your legacy mm. that's what warriors do amen to that and you know it goes back to one of our previous uh discussions it's the that being intentional you know if you're intentional about it you're going to go out there with that warrior mindset every day ready to put on the armor of god Yes. And, and face your day you know, no matter why, what why are we putting on armor so we can run and hide <laughs> exactly <laughs> You're putting exactly. on armor to fight exactly <laughs> exactly um you know one of the things that you know uh, so i'm an i'm an orthodox christian and one of the things that like the saints talk about is taking god's kingdom by force and one yes. of the ways that we're told to do that is with our generosity i mean today actually mm-hmm. we're recording this on uh giving tuesday so yeah, <laughs> it just worked out that way so i, I want to ask you you know you're, you're talking about compassion um, is something that you're working on. How do you practice generosity and that servant leadership mindset in your life today? You know, I, this is this is simple for me. Um, they say the definition of humility um, or meekness. They say is not um, thinking less of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's thinking of yourself less. Yeah. And so, to me, that is putting others' needs above mine. I, I think what what is the um, the Bible verse? Philippians two, three, and four. Do nothing out of vain conceit mm. or arrogance, but consider others more significant than yourself. Yeah. And it says, and think not only of your own interests. So it's telling you not saying that you shouldn't think at all, but don't think not only of your own interests, but the interests of others. And I know they're going to be listening to this day, but you can see, you see, I got these two wristbands around my wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And they're identical, but they're not, they look the same, but they don't both have the same inscription on me. Now you won't be able to read it even from your screen, Mm -hmm. but on my right hand, it has integrity written on it. Integrity. And I've been wearing these bands now. My son is 25 for the last 13 years because I gave these same bands to him Mm. to wear to school when he was in middle school. He's now getting ready to graduate from college. Wow. And when I gave him these bands and the other one has, it's not about me on it. Mm. And when I gave this to my son, he said, dad, what does, he was only 12. He said, dad, what does integrity mean? I said, Kendall, integrity is doing the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. Even when it's unpopular to many, Mm. it's doing the right thing when nobody's looking because God is always looking. And he said, but dad, then why you want me to wear this one is about me. I said, because Kendall, it's not about you. And here's the reason why I wear these bands, because I, and I told my son, and I'm telling you this too, Dave, I said, I haven't taken these off in over 13 years. I've kept them on my wrist. I take them, I, I wear them in the shower. I mean, which is too much information with your listeners this now, but I never take them off. I got married in these bands. I don't oh, take wow. them off. But I tell my son, the reason why I keep them on my wrist, I told him, because I suffer from an infliction. He said, what are you talking about? I said, my infliction. I said, I'm always on my mind mm. all the time. <laughs> and so I, I popped integrity band when I'm afraid to do the right thing at the right time. Cause I don't know what people are going to say or think, mm. but I popped this band when I think about myself too much Man. think about this. I'm thinking about others too much. Now I'm thinking about myself too much. Mm-hmm. And so I popped mm-hmm. this band to remind me. So with generosity, 
it's not it, people keep thinking, oh, you got to give a lot of money, put a lot of time. No, you really want to um, be generous. Think about yourself less. Yeah, man, what will be best for that person? What can I do to serve that person? Mm-hmm. What can I do to support that person? What can I do to strengthen that person? How can I encourage that person? How can I inspire that person? How can I pray for that person? How can I bless that person? It's thinking of yourself less. And some of that may involve money. Some may just involve a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But what it goes back to what you said earlier, Dave, but what it does require is intentionality. Yeah. You got to be intentional about that thought process. Cause like I told you, I'm always on my mind and I got to stop it and break out of it every single time. I didn't know how much I thought about myself until I put these bands on my wrist. <laughs> like, good gracious. I'm consumed with me oh, all yeah. the time. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get myself off my mind. I, I need prayer, bro. There's like a song, it's a, but it's about the other person. You're always on my mind. And, yeah. But you know, it's, you- it's talking about themselves probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, Dr. Joe, I got to tell you, this has been an amazing interview. Uh, you know, I, I've done podcasts. I've done this show for a while. I've done others. Uh, this was such an engaging interview. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And I, I know that the guys that listen to this and hopefully their wives too will find so much uh, blessings and so much grace in the words that you've, you've shared with us today. So I, I got to thank you so much. Um, and they, and thank you, man, for giving me an opportunity to share, um, you know, my story and also for, you created a platform like this to reach people out there who need help because Dave, you didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, God has called you to do this and you obeyed the call to do it. And, and I know from being in the same position that you are, when we start stuff like this and we just obeying God to do this, we don't know if anybody's going to listen. We don't, we don't know if anybody's going to care. Right. We don't know if it's going to even make any type of impact on anybody, but we're doing it out of faith. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I get on shows like this, where I know they're targeted towards um, expanding the kingdom, especially when they're talking about targeting men, yeah. uh, dude, if I could bow down in front of you right now, I'll say, thank you. Thank you for joining the fight for men's souls because oh. dude, Dave, you're not out there by yourself, man. We're all in this together, man. Trying to do the same thing, man. Man. Thank you so much, brother. I, that, I gotta tell you, that, that really does mean a lot. I'm in, I'm starting season three here with this and, you know, I, I'm trying to make more of an impact, uh, you know, and just really, like you said, get get those listeners, get the eyeballs on the content. But really, at the end of the day, you know, it's getting those little nuggets where people say, hey, this I really found this valuable. This really helped. Right. And it's just like those little things that every now and then when I'm like, and is this really is this really worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, God just gives me that. And it's like that's a, that's that little carrot I need to just, just to keep going and keep moving forward. Keep because keep like going, you said, it's, it's not about it's not about me. Right. Not about right. it. Keep going. Uh, Dr. Joe, where can we connect with you and learn more about uh, Real Men Connect? Oh, that's easy. Um, I believe that a man is only as strong as the team around him. And to me, real men connect. That's what they do. They don't mm-hmm. disconnect. They don't disengage. Mm-hmm. Real men don't isolate. Real men don't seclude themselves. Real men connect. So to find us, guess what they have to go to? Realmenconnect.com. <laughs> That's it. Real you really did make it simple. Remember that. Real men connect. Now, David, in full disclosure, I got to give credit to my wife. That wasn't, I didn't come up with the name for Real Men Connect. My wife did. I was going to call it Real Men Connection. And my mm. wife said, you need to shorten that. I said, shorten it to what? To Real Men Connect. I said, why? She says, when Real Men Connect, that implies action. It's a noun also, but it also can be a verb. Real men connect. 
Mm. And I was like, wow, I love that. And man, I'm so glad that she shortened the name because it's the perfect name of what we do. And well, I haven't he, seen a man who's successful who didn't connect with other men. Amen. It, it reminds me of uh, Facebook taking out the the and just yeah, the, Facebook. the Facebook. <laughs> Changed everything for Facebook, man. Yeah, the Facebook. Can you imagine that going around? The Facebook. <laughs> Uh, again, Dr. Joe, I want to I want to thank you so much. Uh, you know, I wish you the best going into 2022 and beyond. And uh, thank you so much, brother. Uh, God, God has given Same us a real you. gift with what with what you're sharing with all of us. Thank you. Same to you, Dave. God bless you, bro. You take care. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. And also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.